actually, the only reason you're on is to help pressure uh, other family members into listening to this. So. All right, uh, Mom actually texted us while we were talking. So just, uh, <laughs> see that there's uh, Mom right there. Can't can't wait to hear the. Oh, look at drumsticks. Pressure's on. I'll get editing immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you got to turn this around tonight, right? She's like, I'll I'll wait until you can send me the link. She's sitting up by the computer. Welcome to this week's episode of the Cool Dad Shirt Podcast. Yeah, so today uh, we have our our second guest, and live from the city of brotherly love is my brother Matt. Welcome. Hey guys, great to be here, and I was not coerced in any way, as I'm here in my own free will. I believe I have to acknowledge that. Uh, he read Rich, the I'm sure you properly vetted out our next guest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know a little bit of his history, so I I, th- I think we're okay. But, you know, our last guest, like you just said, um, he put a hockey rink in his backyard. As a hockey player yourself, Matt, uh, have you ever had the inclination to, to put a rink in your backyard? Uh, so not my personal backyard. It actually gets a little too warm down here in Philadelphia. We don't quite get the sustained cold uh, through, throughout the whole winter, so I don't think it would work here. But but um, so anyways, there was a period where we did actually experiment at our house, Rich. Uh, you weren't there at the time, but we tried it one winter. Uh, so our, our dad initiated this. And so, yeah, I was a hockey player since so I was four years old. So we did the whole thing, but there was no real kits or anything at the time. So we were building up just ran, you know stray wood in the backyard. And it was one of those, again, sort of unusual winters, never really froze enough it was a total disaster and then then you had this enormous amount of water and unintended consequences unintended consequences yeah all very well intentioned um but uh yeah it didn't quite work out so we lost all enthusiasm for ever trying that again there was just too many variables outside of your control and um it was a good engineering exercise though wasn't it (laughs) yeah true it was yeah, Larry, it was quite the life lesson in on on, on many levels. Yeah, so Matt, uh, Mike and I, Mike and I got talking, and we were chatting about other things, and the the topic of coffee came up, and uh, you know, as you make your way through your, through, uh, through adulthood, it's you need to learn how to appreciate some finer things. And we got chatting about different ways you can make coffee. Sadly, I did not come to coffee until I think it was like age forty two. I had somebody explain to me, "Stop trying the stuff at work." And uh, actually, go get a good <laughs> cup of coffee. And so, we want to have you on the show because you're you're a bit of a connoisseur. Uh, you've you've taken the a travel into that direction and learned a bunch of things along the way. And uh, what can you tell us about your your journey into great coffee? Sure, sure. So, um, I uh, I guess I would say, like many people, started out at a purely utilitarian purposes. So, in college, you know, you're just trying to stay awake. Um, and then I, interestingly enough, I moved to New York City after college. This was 1997. That was my first experience in a city where there was ample coffee shops and there was a culture of coffee, getting a sense of meeting people, being there alone, music, just the kind of lifestyle in the, in the kind of New York City atmosphere. So that got me kind of hooked on the kind of cultural aspect of it, the kind of environment atmosphere that kind of came with it. And there was ample great coffee everywhere. For me, the... Um, the transition started to happen when we left New York. So my wife and I moved from New York to Philadelphia. I went to graduate school here and um, decided, hey, let's go to Rome for a couple of weeks. Let's go to Italy. Went to Rome and Florence and got to experience the kind of espresso lifestyle, cappuccinos, that whole kind of coffee culture of Italy. So a little cliched, but no doubt just fantastic way to get a kind of a different sense of the kind of European uh, exposure to it. And so we came back and I was like, gosh, you know, I, I want to I learn how to brew espresso. This sounds like a great, interesting thing. Went on eBay, found what's called a La Pavoni, this little lever, Italian-made machine. 
and started experimenting at home and got got pretty good got you know okay with it and then it wasn't really until uh my daughter was born she uh, we, we received from my father-in-law my wife's dad um purchased us one of those food processors for like making your own baby food at home <laughs> okay R- more again, tools lovely, yeah, nice lovely gift i'm a total gearhead too i love a well-made gift so it's from williamson we're like wow this is great and then my wife and i looked at each other like there's no way we're making baby food at home like this is just not gonna <laughs> happen right this is like let's be honest with ourselves <laughs> we're just not that that disciplined or, or that organized to do it. So we went to Williamson to return it, and gosh, there's this beautiful espresso machine there. And I'm like, this is kind of interesting, and maybe I should get back into this. And the beauty, so this was an espresso machine, which is all kinds of things we can talk about that, you know, the, the, the aspect of the pods and the quality, but the convenience can't be beat. How do you feel, so, about, how do you feel about people who pronounce it espresso? Well, that's just long, wrong. I mean, are you the kind of person that goes to a library to get books? <laughs> it's funny. I actually saw um, at a coffee shop once it says, we reserve the right to not serve anybody who pronounces it espresso. So yeah, I, I try yeah. to get the word out. Uh, espresso is just a f- way to brew coffee. So I think people also get mixed up. Like espresso is not a coffee, like a form of coffee, a type of coffee. Because sometimes on a bag of coffee, you'll see espresso. It just means it's kind of optimized for that brew method. But... But anyway, so we got we picked up an espresso machine, and the, the beauty of it was that um, I could do it all one-handed. So you know, when a newborn is born, I, I drew the short straw size up early. So I'm always holding this baby, and I could make it in a latte entirely out of one hand. So, so that that got us through the first few years of early childhood, and then in 2015 is when I made the real investment. And this is the part that Rich is getting at, where <laughs> so I have more or less a kind of commercial style setup, fully plumbed in. I've got a dedicated water supply, a finely tuned minerals to make the most optimal tasting water i've got a drain line i've got you know i, I up the ampage to the to the outlet so i can run the boilers hotter at a commercial scale so. are, are you you seriously you did electrical work for this oh yeah 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 plumbing work electrical work uh, installed a reverse osmosis water system with a dedicated <laughs> filter line just for coffee uh, the coffee line, so that's, yeah. Then there's no scale. I don't have to do any descaling. It's all perfectly balanced, the water ratio. And so that's where it got really serious. So that's when it transitioned from, you know, into really a hobby. And it became something I actually kind of studied. I practiced. The, the, the 20,000 <laughs> reno in the kitchen. <laughs> Still not even hobby level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is now, now of hobby level. Yeah, we this, we just put 20 grand <laughs> <laughs> it's redoing the kitchen, but it, it's still not even of the level of hobbyist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got a lot of different thresholds, I guess. <laughs> well, did anything did anything go wrong in that process? That that's quite a logistical uh, endeavor. Do, uh, do you have any fun stories? <laughs> not actually. I don't know about anything went wrong. It was pretty well researched. I will say, there's some great. Um, you know, anything you kind of start to become obsessive about, you realize there's like a bunch of other people also obsessing about it, right? There's this wonderful site called HomeBarista.com. And it is a set of forums um, that if you're into coffee or you want to learn more about it, you place to ask questions, but I mean, it is just an obsessive level. So I was able to, in my kind of uh, way, uh, be exceptionally prepared and well-organized with what we were about to do. Uh, there were some, you know, there's a few hacks along the way, but nothing, nothing totally crazy. Yeah, my brother doesn't half-ass anything. That's, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> so that the kids are eating Gerber out of the jar, and Matt is brewing a fine, <laughs> exceptional coffee. Cup. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much our parenting style uh, in a nutshell. <laughs> 
but yeah, I've, I will say, you know, I've got my, my wife's fully trained on it. She, she operates it entirely herself. My daughter, I've trained her on it. So uh, what you find is when you have a kind of commercial Wait, size. When you, say, when you say trained, where do you start? Like first she writes the order down. The, the next level is just grinding the beans. You don't touch the machine. We put you on grinding for a few weeks. How does that process work? Walk us through that, Matt. It's pretty pretty close. So the, there are a number of key elements. You know, you're looking at all the ratios of water to the grind size to um, time. There's a time component to this whole thing. So, so the training regiment for like when she was like six. Um, you know, it's it's equipment that gets really hot. It's <laughs> there are some things just for safety, but yeah, I taught her all the ratios. So I have a recipe of 20 grams into the grinder, 20 grams come out of a specially designed single dose grinder for. <laughs> For zero retention. Was she on probation so, for a period of time? I mean, did you have to kind of monitor there this? Was, uh, there was supervision, a certain amount of supervision required before I felt, you know, fully comfortable that she could go in there on her own. I mean, now, like on Father's Day, like a latte comes out, like, wow, this is great. Like, she actually knows how to do this stuff. But the great value for younger kids is the, um, the, the commercial style milk frothing, is you get that micro texture that when you make hot chocolate, oh man, it's like next level. So, so it, there's downstream benefits beyond just coffee. Anything with, with steamed milk, you can uh, up your game. So, so what's your what's your entry point of coffee? You said you were in Italy, and uh, you were enjoying a lot of delicious espresso. Are you drinking regular espresso? Are you drinking something else? Yeah. So I so the espresso culture was yeah through the trip through Italy I got kind of exposed to that and started experimenting at home. And there is a bit of an acquired taste. And of course, if you're doing it well, it won't be quite as bitter because um, that's one of the byproducts of uh, poor preparation. Um, but uh, so I primarily do milk-based, so I'm doing lattes, cappuccinos. My wife does Americanos, so that means we're brewing an espresso and then you add just hot water to make essentially like an American-style full you know, 12-ounce mug of coffee. I will still do occasionally drip coffee, but primarily like, for example, if we go camping or we go to an Airbnb for the weekend... I have a um, well. I have a, a German-made high-precision hand grinder for travel purposes. <laughs> Seriously, who doesn't uh, really? I know you got to have one in your bag. I got a little kit, and um, and there are two coffee makers that it's a great entryway. So I do doing like a pour-over system. So there's a Kalita Wave, which is a Japanese, um, uh, very like thirty bucks. It's a little flat bottom, but doing a pour-over. So that that kind of dr- like drip style, where it's just kind of pouring through, as opposed to like immersion, like French press. So for somebody just maybe becoming interested in enjoying some better than average trip coffee, what's the uh, what's the best route to go? A pour over or is a French press okay? Yeah, well they get they do different things. A French press is an immersion style, so that's your you're grinding coffee, you're putting it in a big glass cup, uh, and you're pouring water, and it's just sitting in there, it just steeps. Usually a fuller body, a little richer, especially if you're using a darker roast coffee. Um, Pour over can bring out a little bit more kind of lighter, some of the different flavors and things like that. So a lot of it's just to taste different methodology. And these are all pretty inexpensive. So I, you know, the best thing you can do for your, I mean, there's great filter coffee. You don't have to do espresso to do something really interesting. The best thing you can do is I always talk about, is just a good grinder. And that's the like fundamental thing. And I ran an experiment at Rich's house one weekend <laughs> to prove the point. Um, but like the, the importance of just like freshly ground coffee. So don't buy pre-ground coffee if you can. Um, there's plenty of options. You've got local roasters and almost everywhere in the world, or I use a subscription service, so I get coffee delivered every Friday. So it's within the optimal window of roasting time. You know, good coffee, any roaster that 
serves good coffee on the bag will have a roasted on date. So if on your bag of coffee it doesn't tell you when it was roasted, then you're not probably buying great coffee. But generally you want to consume the coffee within about two weeks of when it was roasted. Then it starts to kind of, the the, the way it goes stale is kind of like a hockey stick chart in terms of the, the pace of it going stale. So a lot of people aren't don't even realize they're drinking kind of stale coffee. It's not, you know, it's a lower quality. Then they're poorly grinding it. They're not using great water. And so it's kind of a confluence of a bunch of things. Again, at an obsessive level, most people probably this doesn't matter at all. But if you are actually trying to like, hey, I bet this could taste a little bit better, you could get into some of these things. So the number one thing I try to recommend is just a good grinder. So if people are using a blade grinder for spices, that's terrible. Um, you got to get into a, a burr grind set, which is either conical or flat. And uh, we, we actually did run the experiment. And um, Matt, Matt was just so beside himself that I had uh, the, the blade... <laughs> Like, he's like, no, we're doing this right. <laughs> and we, we went over to a local market and we did the, a fresh grind in a, in a proper burr grinder. And uh, we, we compared. And you can tell the difference because of the consistency of the grind. And uh, Matt was so concerned about me. I got his uh, hand-me-down <laughs> burr grinder. <laughs> and uh, now he's right. It makes a difference. It does make a difference. It's good. Yeah. So yeah. What did you compare? Yeah. The grinded beans in the store and the grinded beans against your grinder? No, we, did, we didn't have a grinder. So we, it, it wasn't the most awesome if i remember rich had this kind of crumpled up bag of pre-ground like dunkin donuts coffee or something i don't know it was some like he put the beans in a ziploc and hit him with the hammer <laughs> yeah yeah and it just out in the daylight exposed them up. To UV. oh my god what no i think doing? uh i i think i had one of the blade grinders and we just i just mulched it up <laughs> and uh, all these different particle sizes you're like ah you know what and so we, we drove down right around the corner, and we it's the same beans from the same place. Exactly, so, we just then freshly ground it. Yep, yep. Exactly, yep. exactly. And so, then brewed and, them both, did a blind yep. test, and it was universal. <laughs> so what you're searching for with a grinder, the reason why it's so beneficial is the consistency of the grind. So each of the particles being essentially the same size or close to the same size. So the more consistent, which is like the fundamental thing of all the aspects of, of great coffee is like consistency in the water, consistency in pressure, consistency in time, consistency in the ratio, consistency in the grind. Uh, that's how you can then dial things up and down so you can minimize the number of variables. So if you don't like, if it's a little bitter, it's or if it's over extracted, you know, it's taking too long, you would, you know, um, loosen up the grind so it moves a little faster. If it's moving too fast, you can tighten up the grind to slow it down. And that changed the taste from something kind of gross to something, oh, this is actually really good. So When you go to somebody's house for the holidays and you see a container of Folgers sitting on the counter, do you go ballistic? <laughs> I don't go ballistic. I will say, you know, the other aspect to me, well, I, I have some of these clearly <laughs> obsessive uh, tendencies. I'm actually a really, like, easygoing, roll with the punches kind of person. So. Yeah, I, don't I, wasn't, expect- I wasn't suggesting you had explosive <laughs> anger. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> but, I, you know, for someone who really has refined their taste buds. Well, I've learned that you can, like, really upset people if you really launch into some, you know, suggestion of a number of failings and missteps on their part. So, uh, one, I'll either just accept it and you just go on. Or, Not like, an icebreaker on Christmas Eve. Yeah, but it's family. Like, Rich, I'm like, hey, Rich, can I just help you out? And and I know he's in. You know, he's into gear and he's into but I want to learn. Getting, getting better at things you like learning things yeah. and so some of it was just you just didn't know and you exactly. know, I can't fault you for that there's a time that we all start somewhere but um so it was a chance to just kind of help him out but well, I think you got to know your audience right I mean if, if, if somebody's curious and they, they want to get better at it it's much different than uh yeah, that helps if they actually want to hear your advice. <laughs> turns <laughs> that's, 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 that's a life lesson. It, I took way too long to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you're on the old Dr. Pepper, I believe. That was your, uh, well, your stimulant yeah, well, of choice. <laughs> that's my coffee story. I, 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 I love that drinking, story. Tell it again, Rich, please. I was drinking Dr. Pepper way too long as an adult. It was my caffeine uh my caffeine drink in the morning, and it just becomes like anything else. It becomes a habit, and uh, I, d- I decided I got to get off this. It's just not very good. So, um, as I mentioned, work coffee is just terrible, and I just it smells so good, but I couldn't figure out why it was so, so terrible. Uh, so my first entry was in uh, with a cappuccino, actually, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, now I see the refinement. I see why people like this. It was um, very good, very tasty, but I did commit myself to to. Uh, stay away from the milk and the sugar so um i i, mm. I now drink it black that's I amazing i mean you've gone full spectrum from like it's the most disgusting thing you've ever tasted and now you drink it in the most like you know it's like turpentine like the rawest <laughs> form of like a mineral you could possibly ingest Just give it to me black you know <laughs> he's as hairy as sasquatch <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> <laughs> it's true well it's, it's it's a little bit of a health thing but i do keep uh uh, I was very excited um, uh, on, a, on a vacation once to try a uh, Cortado, and then I found out, mm-hmm. uh, Matt, you like those too. It's, it's like mm-hmm. a cappuccino, but just not quite as much uh, milk. So you have a stronger coffee ratio, so I occasionally treat myself to one of those. Yeah, so like a, just to give you some ratios, so like a typical like double shot of espresso might be two ounces. A cappuccino, you might do four to six ounces of milk to two ounces. A latte, you might do like eight or ten ounces, so it's a little bit more milk typically. A cortado might be a two to two, like two ounces of espresso, two ounces of steamed milk. A macchiato, a true macchiato, would then just be a little dollop of, of milk, not like what you get at Starbucks. But so yeah, much more of the espresso flavor comes through, but a little bit of the sweetness in the milk. So the uh, the um, milk uh, designs that you put in is that the graduate level of the apprentice cert- uh, certification <laughs> class you offer? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't gotten a lot of traction with everyone else on learning latte art. Um, <laughs> I will say now that I've made just thousands since, you know, since 2015, you know, I make two to four, you know, if I'm making two for myself or if I'm making some for my wife, too, you know, two to four every day for like, you know, eight years or something, you get pretty good at it. But so it's, you know, it's a nice way to demonstrate that you kind of know what you're doing. So if you're at a cafe and you see someone just dump the thing in, you can tell they don't really know what they're doing. But um, so when people do it, it's a nice a nice touch shows that they are trained. They've you know perfected something. They've developed a craft, um, and then that's you know I mean I'll just say the um, you know that's one of the great things I've enjoyed as a hobby. Well, the, it does help with some of my tendencies of you know wanting to go deep and just kind of like understand things and unpack things. I do enjoy one of the things I like is that side of the craft. So in the mornings, wake up and the first thing I do is I make something. Right, I've got ratios and timing but i'm handcrafting something in the morning and then i get to sit down and relax so it it brings a certain kind of peacefulness to it too it's not so labor intensive that it's drudgery it's actually something i enjoy the process of it so yeah it's a bit of a ritual right it's a process that you 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 can relax from similar to i I mean i'm not a huge tea drinker but for some people who are really into matcha you know there's a, a process involved with that that takes you know a few minutes before you actually get to start drinking the thing and I think part of that ritual is is just as much of the enjoyment as as actually drinking, you know, the tea or coffee. Yeah, it invokes all kinds of senses. Like Richie mentioned, the smell of coffee, and then there's you know you start to work your brain a little bit. There's just the moment of relaxation. It slows things down a little. It's nice. So, but I wanted to ask actually. So I know a little bit about Rich's story. So, Mike, what's your what's your relationship with coffee? Let's hear your origin story. Yeah, it's it's new. I 
didn't start drinking coffee too fairly recently, and uh, I am not at the level of you or Rich. Yeah. Is it primarily just to kind of wake you up, or is it do you actually enjoy the taste? No, I, I, similar to Rich, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed the smell for quite some time, but any time I would drink it, it would taste burnt or bitter. Good, good. I think we might have to sign up for your certification program. Is it the... Do we actually get something in the mail? Is there a process? Uh, uh, well, it's it's two weeks, so it's like a camp. Uh, you sleep <laughs> in my basement, and uh, I have a... <laughs> there's a combination of some study guides. You've got to learn some written tests. If you're, if you're at all interested, there are some easy ways to kind of get started, some low-expense ways that'll just brew great coffee so you mentioned pour over before that's a really great one like i said a kalita wave is like 30 bucks um, a little gooseneck kettle so you can control the flow like 50 bucks maybe um, and then just getting a decent grinder you might have to spend 100 or 200 bucks for a decent burr grinder but uh for a pretty modest investment and that'll last you forever you know these things will last you forever and then it's just getting you know get good water find a, a roaster in the area experiment it's a great platform for just experimenting trying new things well, Matt, this was a uh, hugely informative and a lot of fun too. Thanks for uh, your insight and explanation of things. Um, we, we we thoroughly enjoyed that, and uh, we might have to book you again for one of your other obsessive uh, hobbies. Yeah, there's a long list. We can <laughs> we can go through them alphabetically. We can however you want. All right, guys. Well, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, thanks for joining us. All right, thanks. We'll catch you soon. I was embarrassed to bring this up on the call when we were speaking with Matt. My my usage of a Keurig machine, <laughs> and especially the K-Cups. Now, I will say that I do feel really guilty about the environmental impact of those K-Cups, so I am trying to migrate to something different, even if it is a regular drip coffee maker. But I would, A, I would not admit that I drink coffee from a K-Cup from a Keurig machine. And lastly, <laughs> I was... Uh, very reluctant to tell them that uh, I was I had the cap off and I was adding water to the res- reservoir and my nephew looks in there and says you know there's a dead spider in there yeah <laughs> I scooped the spider out and I don't know how many cups of Lovaza I've drank that have been <laughs> somewhat filtered through the carcass of a dead spider but I never noticed I fished it out and onward and upward in my Keurig Lavaza brewing well I think I think we want to know if you picked up any super uh, hero traits from uh, <laughs> not as of yet it would be a, a nice upside to that <laughs> that couple of Vaza so, uh, yeah I think uh, if, uh, yeah, you have to be bitten by the spider not just drink the dead remains from your Keurig to get the superpowers right <laughs> that's it yeah the venom must still be active Hit that, smash that like button.